Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you all so much for joining us this morning. I'm so blessed and privileged to be up here today to share with you. And I'm so thankful for Pastor JJ and Liz for allowing me to be able to be up here to speak with you. Aren't they amazing pastors? Let's give it up for them. Yes, in these past few weeks we've been doing The Haunted Heart. We've been talking about some really scary stuff. And today is going to be the last of Haunted Heart. Next week, JJ will be back, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to start a new sermon series, but we have spoke about Frankenstein. We talked about vampires. Last week, we even talked about ghosts. So I just want to share first with you guys that I don't do scary stuff, okay? I don't like any scary stuff. I may or may not still sleep with a nightlight. Well, it's not actually a nightlight. It's just the door cracked open with the light shining through, so that kind of makes me an adult, right? Um, but I don't do scary stuff. I really can't even watch previews of scary things, or I, I will have nightmares from the previews. So, see, that's true. I can't, I can't do scary stuff. So, with that, is it all right if I tell you a really scary story? Is that okay? All right, let's get started. So, last year, I traveled to Meridian, Mississippi. Raise your hand if you've been to Meridian, Mississippi. Okay, two people. Awesome. Okay, Meridian, Mississippi is in the middle of nowhere, all right? The population of Meridian, Mississippi is 39,000 people. And to put that into perspective for you, the population of Orlando is 2.4 million people, okay? So Meridian's in the middle of nowhere. Now I started to drive there and they told me that there would be a point in time where my GPS could no longer take me there. Okay, so my GPS is gonna stop working and I'm just gonna have to go off of what they say. So I'm driving and the directions were, the place where the red barn used to be, used to be. Okay, so there's like a foundation of an old red barn. So I see that and then I'm supposed to turn right past the second oak tree. So I'm already a little bit flustered and it's starting to get dark. It's not completely dark yet, but it's not light out. It's dusk, I guess that's what you call it, it's dusk. When all the scary stuff happens, you know? So I've got kids in the back seat of my car so I have to totally keep my cool as I'm driving, second oak tree, and I'm going to turn right, and this is like a dirt road, it's super bumpy, and off in the distance, like there's only two houses and just crops everywhere, and off in the distance, I saw one for the first time. I never saw it in real life. There's one right here. I never saw one in real life, and it was. Okay, the one that I saw was not as, funny looking as this one, all right? The one that I saw, it actually had a black trash bag over its head, okay? It was the size of a human with a black trash bag over its head and I was just waiting for it to be like, it didn't do that, but it was terrifying nonetheless, all right? So with that being said, let's get into the word. You guys ready for the word? All right. We're going to go to Jeremiah 10, 1 through 6. Hear what the Lord says to you, O house of Israel. And just to give you a little bit of backstory, Jeremiah is speaking these words. It's a, he actually had a scribe write them for him. 
but he's speaking these words on behalf of God to the people of Israel, and the people are not listening at all to what he is saying. So he's speaking this to a people that are not listening. Hear what the Lord says to you, O house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by the signs in the sky, though the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest, and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with a hammer and nail so it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. No one is like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. So that leads me to the title of today's message, which is Scarecrow in a Melon Patch. Everybody turn to your neighbor and tell them, you got a scarecrow in your melon patch. <laughs> All right. So whenever I was in my 20s, I was in the retail and fashion industry. And I would go to all the hottest clubs, and I got to sit VIP. I was popping bottles and wearing my Gucci shoes, my Hervé Leger dress. Okay, that's enough. All right, I, was, I thought I was the ish. That's where we're at, okay? And when I would go there, I, and when I was working at, at the boutique that I was at at the time, I actually got to do some amazing things for my career. I created inventory systems, I was able to do merchandising, and I was making commission, which was great because I was helping millionaires. So I was doing awesome for myself, but my end goal, the place that I wanted to be, was I wanted to be a buyer. I thought it would be amazing to be the one that set the fashion trends and saw the things that I picked out go flying off the shelves. And I was eventually invited to go to Project in Vegas, okay? Now, Project in Vegas is a really big deal. It's an international trade show. So I think we have a picture. Yeah, there you go. So look how swanky that is. You have to, with the red carpet and everything. Now, it's a really big deal. They have tons of cool stuff happening the whole time. Uh, one year, they had a 30-foot display made out of shopping carts that said Project at the top. And everybody kind of knows that when you're at Project, there's going to be like random pop-up concerts, okay? And you never know who it's going to be. So there I was. I was at Project. I thought it was so cool. I had my shades on inside, because that's what you do when you're really cool. And I was sitting in the front row because we were told that there was going to be a pop-up concert. And I sat there, and out came the one and only, I mean, I could have touched him. He was so close to me. And it was Nelly. Yeah, I'm showing my age now, aren't I? All right, help me out, guys. Ready? If you want to go and take a ride with me, three wheeling and a four with the goldies, oh, why do I live this move? Thank you for joining me in that. So I was there. I was where I wanted to be, but I was still empty inside. I was where I thought I needed to go, where I wanted to be, but I was still empty inside. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. I had made this image, this idol, out of this social status, and it was doing absolutely nothing for me. Now, before I got into researching 
before I started preparing for my message, I had to research scarecrows because you can't just bring up a scarecrow and not talk about it, right? So we're going to go into Scarecrow 101. Are you ready for this? Now, before I even do that, in my scarecrow research, I actually found a job listing for a scarecrow. No joke. It's not around here, so don't get too excited. But what it is is you can actually go and you can be the human scarecrow at this guy's farm, okay? You stand out there with a cowbell. When you see an animal, you just hit the cowbell. Guess how much it pays? $355 a week. That's like a legit job. Don't get any ideas. Yeah, it's like totally a legit job. Okay, so. Back to Scarecrow 101. The scarecrows are propped up in cornfields or in the fields among the crops, and their job is to scare crows, obvi, but also their job is to scare away like deers and any other animals that are in the area. And they have stuff like these little straw stuff. The purpose of that is when the wind blows, it actually makes noise, right? And it looks like a human, so it will scare the animals. It's got the stuff on it to make noise when it blows in, in the wind. But also, the farmer has to move it around throughout the crops. You can't just leave it in one spot, because if you leave it in one spot, then the animals will get used to it. It needs to be moved around. All right, so back in 627 BC, when Jeremiah was speaking these words to the people, he, the people were making sacrifices of all kinds. And when they were making sacrifices, they were making sacrifices to gods that they had created. Like, one of them's name was Baal, and he was the god of fertility. And they were, um, they were doing some crazy things. They were sacrificing, first of all, their crops. They were also sacrificing their animals. But they were even sacrificing children. I know. And you may think we can't relate to that today. But think about the woman who sacrifices real relationship at the altar of Facebook or Instagram. Right? Or how about the guy who sacrifices his entire family at the altar of his career? Or the teenage girl that sacrifices her self-worth at the altar of peer pressure and perfection, so much so that she cuts herself just to feel something real in this world. Now, humanity, we're broken. We're broken. We're all looking for uh, the, the space that we have. We want to fill this space inside. And idolatry is what we end up doing. We end up putting something in the place where God should be. The definition of idolatry is extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. But if we look at what Jeremiah is talking about, I think we just need to add a little bit to the end of that and make it extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone in the place of God. See, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I feel like I can be like a professional mess maker with my life with the idols that I put in place of God. Maybe even sometimes an idol factory. I'm so good at finding different things to put in those places. And I think if we all looked at our lives, we could all honestly say that we feel that emptiness or we felt that emptiness, that empty space inside, that if I only space, right? If I only had that car, then everything would be okay. If I only had that spouse, then everything okay. If I, if I only had that kid, that career, that position, if I only had children, then everything would be okay. Now, this is, this is what makes us feel even peer pressure from a really, really young age. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you another little story about me when I was in fifth grade. Okay, I think we have a picture, maybe. Oh, look at that. All right, see if you can find me. 
I'm the really fashionable one. All right, let's zoom in on me. Yes. Yes, check out that hat. Yes. All right, when I was in fifth grade, I was a straight-A student, and I was a rule follower. I had anxiety when other people broke rules, okay? But I went to the store one time with a new girl that I had not hung out with before. And she had said to me, hey, steal that lip gloss. So I was like, all right. And I stole the lip gloss. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because I didn't steal the lip gloss because I didn't know stealing was wrong. I stole that lip gloss because that girl was really cool. And I really wanted to be her friend. I really wanted her to accept me. And I did something because I knew it was against all of my morals and values, but that's what happens when we put other people or other things in the place of God. We do things that we wouldn't normally do. And you may be wondering, why would God create us like this? Why do we all have this empty space that we need fill? And the reason is, is because God is acceptance. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place so that he could then fully accept us. Amen? These idols are to blame for most of the stress, most of the frustration, most of the despair, most of the depression that we feel in our lives. And the reason is, is because they can't save us, only God can. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them, they can do no harm, nor can they do any good. See, the scarecrows, they can't actually do anything. The scarecrows don't plow the field, they don't water the field, they don't take care of the crops. They can't even move from one place to another. Somebody else has to come in and do it. Doesn't that sound a little bit like us when we try to fill that space? Now we put things on a pedestal and we wonder what the problem is if it's not God. So what I want to do is I want to give you a little bit of practical application today. Um, some of the things that we can do to get rid of these idols that may be in our lives. All right? You guys cool with that? All right, let's get started. So the first thing that we want to do is we want to identify our idols. So we've, I've kind of talked a little bit about already some of the things that would make an idol. I gave you the example of my social status and my career of what I did, but there's a ton of other things that can be idols. And idols don't necessarily have to be bad things. They don't have to be, you know, um, addictions or anything like that or striving for a social status. They can actually be things like your family or your children. An idol is basically anything that you put in the place where God should be. Now, they are the if-I-only statements in our lives. They are the things that we daydream about. They're the things that you have nightmares about losing. They're the things that you look to for deliverance. They're the things that you try to sacrifice everything for. And they're the things that if we get too caught up, we may find ourselves in a professional mess. Now the next thing, so the first thing we want to do is we want to identify the idols. And the next thing we need to do is we need to say that we're sorry, okay? So when we say sorry, 
Now often, I actually have to say this often to my children, okay? My, my kids, I have four girls who are absolutely amazing, and I have to remind them sometimes that they have to say sorry. But I'm not talking about like when your mom tells you, tell your sister you're sorry because you hit her. It's not like that. It's more of a, I'm sorry, and you accept responsibility, you ask for forgiveness, and you move forward. So in speaking about my kids, I have to add the caveat after I tell them to say that they're sorry, where I say, when you say you're sorry, it means you're actually not going to do it again. <laughs> That's very important. So when we say we're sorry, when we repent, we want to do our best to make sure we actually don't do it again. And what does that look like? It, it's really quite simple. It doesn't have to, we don't have to overcomplicate any of this. It can simply be you driving home today. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for placing my career in the place where you should be, Father. Teach me and show me the ways that I can make this right. In Jesus' name, amen. It doesn't have to be a big to-do. It can be very, very simple. So the second thing we got to do is we have to say we're sorry the third thing we need to do is we need to destroy the distractions. Oh. All right. Now, this one can get a little bit complicated because I didn't listen to what I did not say. I did not say destroy your marriage. I did not say destroy your relationship with your family, destroy your career. What we're saying is that you have to place Jesus there. When you focus on Jesus, that's what destroys the distractions. So when we think about Jesus and I say add Jesus or put Jesus in the place, what I want you to understand is I don't mean like we all have a ton of stuff on our plate already, right? Raise your hand if you've got a ton of stuff on your plate already. And Jesus is not another thing, and not, he's not another weight to be added to the scale. He is the scale. Amen? He is not another weight to be added to the scale. He is the scale. Because with God and with Jesus in that place, that's where we can find balance. That's where we can balance the laundry list of things that we have to do, all of the stuff that we have to take care of. Jesus needs to be our scale. And another way to say that is to say that God is, Jesus is the pursuit he is what we are ultimately pursuing. With him is the pursuit and not what our choice of career is or our goals or ambitions in life. With him as the pursuit is when we can finally enjoy the gift. Now we're going to look real quick at Paul. And Paul, he's a man who, he basically rose to one of the highest positions of his land. Okay, He was a Jewish attorney or a Pharisee. And when he was in that position, he actually let it all go. He stepped away from all of it. He cheerfully sacrificed everything that he had worked so hard for just to become a part of the blessing. And let's listen to what he had to say in Philippians. Philippians 3, 8 through 11. He said, The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I, I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, 
Everything I once thought I had going for me was insignificant. Dog dung. I can't wait to tell JJ I said dog dung from the stage. Okay. Was insignificant dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Now what blows my mind about this, what blows my mind about pursuing God and even the idea that we do that is when we fully pursue God and chase after him to see what he's all about and what he has for us, do you know what we end up finding? He's been pursuing us the whole time. It was him that was pursuing us. It had nothing to do with us. He was pursuing us. So that's the third thing we want to do is destroy the distractions. And we do that by pursuing Jesus, by making Jesus the scale and not the weight. And number four is to keep the main thing the main thing. All right? And that's Jesus. Jesus is the main thing. Now, there's been several times in my life where I feel like I forget that Jesus needs to be the main thing. I think it kind of happens naturally as Christians that we kind of go through this ebb and flow of, oh, we're on it right now, we're so on fire, and then we just get kind of used to things. And even if you don't identify as a Christian, I'm sure there's been times in your life where everything's going absolutely amazing, but then not so much. And keeping Jesus the main thing is the anchor. It's the thing that holds everything together. It's the lock that can secure your life and everything that you're going through. And when we keep Jesus the main thing, I believe that people actually have been preaching this for centuries, right? You've heard it before, I'm sure. You've got to keep Jesus first. God needs to be first. They've been preaching it back when Jeremiah was speaking it to people. Amen? But now it gets so confusing because our lives don't look so much like that anymore. They don't look like people walking up and sacrificing all of their crops. And it can get really confusing. Because we're up here saying, you've got to put God first. And then the preacher man says, and you've got to love your husband a lot. And you also have to love your children. And serve the church like you're supposed to serve God and serve. And, do. and you're like, okay, buddy, hold on. That is a lot of stuff that I got to do. It gets confusing, right? Love God. Love your spouse. And the reason it gets confusing is because it's not meant to be linear. It's not meant to be love God, love your spouse, love your children, love your job, love the church. Because if that's the case, then by the time I get to loving the church, they get crap from me, right? They get nothing. Because everything is not linear. It's when we keep Jesus the main thing, the center. So what it looks like is, I love my husband as Christ loved the church. I love my family and I care for my family as Christ would care for my family. I work at my job as if I'm doing it unto Christ. I serve at the church as if I'm doing it unto the Lord. So that's the difference. It's not that we have to do more or put everything in right order. It's just we need to do everything with Christ in mind. So we've got to keep Jesus the main thing. And it's not that we need to love all these things that we're talking about less. It's just that we need to love God more. We don't need to love these things less. We just need to love God more. 
Now, back whenever I was going to project and in the retail fashion industry, I was absolutely loving life, but it didn't last very long. I had gotten myself to a place where I was extremely successful, but I eventually could not fill my empty space with my career much longer. So I turned to many other things. And some of those things that I turned to were relationships and drugs and alcohol. And I put so many things in the place of God. Now at the time, I had never had a relationship with Jesus. I actually had been to a church before and somebody asked me if I was saved. And I said, saved from what? <laughs> I had no idea what it could be like to have a relationship with Jesus. But I felt like I needed to try almost everything that there was out there to try to fill that space. I remember specifically, I was in my room and my, I had bought a house at the time and I, the relationship that I had had crumbled and the person that I bought the house with moved out. So I was like scrambling to find roommates to come and, and stay with me, which was a feat in and of itself. And I had one roommate move out because she didn't like how often I partied and how often I was out late at night or the people I had over. And I remember sitting at my bed weeping because I, I feel like I'm supposed to say weeping. It sounds more biblical, huh? I was bawling my eyes out, y'all. I was crying. And I was crying so hard because my mortgage was due and I wasn't going to be able to pay it. And the main reason I wasn't able to pay it is because I had spent all of my money trying to keep up with this image that I thought I was. You know, I had a great Gucci bag, but I also had it filled with tons of maxed out credit cards. So there I was in my room, bawling my eyes out. My mortgage was due. I wasn't able to pay it. I went to work at the boutique. And looking back, it's, 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 it's even hard to think about because I had some amazing opportunity but I'm also thankful because although I fell very far, God is the one that picked me up. And I went into work the next morning and I, my boss had actually called me out. She said, I know you're partying every single night and do you have a problem? Like, do we need to handle this? Like, do you need help? And I said, no. I don't, I'm fine. And so it was that evening that I went to my room and I hit my knees and I actually, so growing up I went to Catholic church every once in a while with my family. So the only Bible I had was a Catholic youth Bible. And I remember opening it up and trying to start reading it and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. It's not a good idea to normally start a Genesis when you have no idea what you're doing. I'm, I was so confused. But what I did was I hit my knees next to my bed and I prayed and I'm like God I don't know if you're real but I need you I have tried everything every single thing that I can think of to make my life okay to make me feel okay and it's not working please just tell me and I felt something come over me I just and it wasn't like you know somebody hit me and was like great job it was more like I just felt something inside that had changed I felt like my life was going to be a little bit different. I still had that mortgage due. I still had all my 
challenges with my career and all the relationships that I had destroyed, I still had a wake behind me that I had destroyed. But I was able to start taking steps towards having a relationship with Christ. And to be totally honest with you, whenever I started that relationship, it wasn't immediate. It took a while. Because everything got far worse before it got better. Whenever I had it, and I believe that that was the moment that I accepted Christ into my life, I went out and I was like, wait a second, what is happening now? And so I did everything like times 10. Everything got far worse before it got better. And eventually, I was able to figure out by having some amazing people around me. That's why I encourage you to become part of the dream team or go to one of the next steps classes or join a journey group because it was in community that I was able to find my healing and find my peace. I kind of dove in head first. I stopped answering my phone and, and I just want to encourage somebody today if they feel like that's what they're supposed to do um, if you are dealing with a situation like this I was nervous to stop answering all of the phone calls of people telling me like why aren't you coming out anymore and we're your friends and I did think that they were my friends but I stopped answering any of the phone calls and let me tell you about five years after that they all came back to me and were like wow I can't believe how much your life has changed I learned that those people weren't my real, true friends. And once they got through their situations, not all of them are saved either. Not all of them know who Christ is. And I pray that one day that they will. But because of that, I'm able to go back to them. And I am strong enough to now be around them and not go out partying, right? And not go out doing things that are bad choices for my life. So we have to keep Jesus the main thing. We have to restore God back to his proper place. And I hope today that you were able to see, maybe reveal some of these idols in your life. And what we need to do is we need to take God and that blank space after if I only, we need to put God there. If I only had that career, if I only had that family, if I only, God. Because God will take care of all of it. God will take care of everything from start to finish. He knows exactly where we're at. It's so amazing to think that we are called the sons and daughters of a king who cares that much about us. Now these idols, these scarecrows, if you will, they, like my story, they're temporary. You can put one thing in, you can put another thing in, it will always be temporary. Nothing can fill that space like God can. Those things are temporary, but Jesus is stability. Jesus can be the rock, the one thing that we can turn to that will not waver, that will not let us down, that will always keep us where we need to be. And what's so perfect about that, and if you, don't, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, what's so perfect about that is when it's all crumbling down and falling apart, no matter where you're at, you can look to me, look to him and say, can you help me? And he'll say yes. He will always be there for our help. He will always be there in our time of need. Now, you may not be able to relate to where I was at. You may not think about a life where you chose drugs or alcohol or even a social status. 
But I think we can all relate to a time where we've done something against our morals or values because of someone else. Because of that need to be accepted. That desire that we have, that we just want to be even in the cool crowd, or want to be seen as successful, or want to be seen as great people. Whether it's from social status, careers, and children, I think we all can relate to having a moment in our life like that. Now, I want to pray that you guys have clarity, that you're able to see what these distractions are in your life, and I hope that the steps I've given today can actually be steps that move you towards maybe not just a relationship with Jesus, but a stronger relationship. And also a security in knowing that we are professional mess makers. We're gonna mess up. If you haven't messed up before, you're lying. <laughs> We've all messed up. And unfortunately, we're probably gonna do it again. And that's where Jesus comes in. That's where we set down the idols that we have in our lives. Because the idols, they can't heal us, they can't speak to us, they can't deliver us. Only God can do that. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch. That scarecrow can't do anything. To be honest with you, I haven't been that scared standing up here because he's just right there doing nothing. Amen? He can't do anything to me. It's us that do the things with the scarecrows. It's us that put the idols in the place of God. Now I want to pray today that we have a moment that we can take down the scarecrows. That we're able to repent and ask for forgiveness. That we're able to destroy the distraction and restore God to his proper place. That we look to the one who delivers us. That we look to the one that can actually speak to us. And that's Jesus Christ. Now today, I believe he wants to speak to you right now. I believe God wants to speak to you right now where you're at. Are you all ready for it? Are you ready? God, I believe God wants to speak to you right now. Here we go. You see that? Don't look at the distraction. Look at me. Is God speaking to you right now? Forget the distraction. Forget the mess. Look at me. You feel numb? I say you're called. You feel weak? Use me for your strength. I'm your strength. Let me be your strength. If you feel like you don't belong, you are my child. You are a child of the chosen God. Amen? A child of the King of Kings. If you feel like no one cares, he says you're called. You're chosen for such a time as this. I knew you were going to be here today. I knew you were going to be here today because of Christ's redemption. You are a creature of great work, of amazing work. You are redeemed. You are completely forgiven. You are completely accepted with Jesus Christ right now. And if you're in this place today and you want to see what it feels like to be able to fill that empty space, I want to give you a moment and an opportunity to do so. Or if you're in this place today and you've known God and you've had a relationship with God or you've been going to church but you still feel that emptiness or you've been putting something else in the place of God, I want to encourage you to make a decision back to Jesus again today. Put him back on his throne of your heart. So 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's give some privacy for everybody around us. Don't look around. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if this is you, if you want to make this decision, would you go ahead and reach your hand up on the count of three? I want you to reach your hand up to the sky. One, nobody's looking around. Don't do it for somebody else. Do it for you this morning. joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.